Welcome to the Business in Vancouver podcast. I'm Haley Wooden. I'm Tyler Orton. And this podcast is brought to you by Manny Elliott Accountants and Business Advisors. Well, it's Wednesday today, which means we feature a featured interview from BIV's radio show on Roundhouse Radio 98.3. Who do we have today? Yeah, we actually had the opportunity to speak to Bob McLeod. He is the premier of the Northwest Territories. He's in town, Vancouver, for the AME Roundup Mining Conference, annual conference. And the big point that he's making here is that Say we've got oil and gas exploration. Uh, It's been essentially banned for five years. Uh, So their economy is so much more reliant on, say, mining. So Mm -hmm. they actually have a huge delegation, 60, 70 people in town representing the Northwest Territories here at the mining conference. So they're making the rounds. It's a fascinating conversation. And the reason I say this is because I'm going to be honest, I don't think as much about the Northwest Territories or, you know, Canada's North, say the Yukon or Nunavut, as nearly as much as I should. And Mm. just kind of the economic impact that uh, it has on the country, as well as the environmental impact Southern Canada is having on it with regards to climate change. Mm. So it was a very illuminating conversation with the premier. Um, I'm fascinated to see what other people think as well. But uh, Haley, uh, have you been able to travel up to Canada's north? No, I haven't. I'd love to, though. It's something I hear just everybody falls in love with if they get the chance to go up. I would do it in, say, a uh, uh, probably the summer as opposed to jumping feet first into mm-hmm. the proverbial as well as <laughs> literal um, uh, frozen water. Or you so could just speak. embrace it. Embrace the yeah. cold. I'd love to see uh, the Aurora Borealis. Oh, yeah. Which is, uh, you can't go in the summer because certain parts, it's almost 24-hour daylight. So yeah. you don't get the nighttime to see that. Yeah, I'd love I'd love to visit it. It's a very different part of Canada and uh, an important partner, too. And well, he also brought up, uh, I, now I forget if this is off air or on air, but uh, the Premier also brought up the fact just uh, w- with regards to tourism, um, they had a big loss of tourism following the uh, Japanese earthquake back in 2011. And they've seen that drop off a lot with Japanese tourists going up north to look at the Aurora Borealis. He said mm-hmm. it was an interesting thing because uh, they'd be up all night uh, watching the uh, northern lights and then uh, these tourists would just sleep all day. So it's kind of an interesting <laughs> sort of flip. But uh, he said yeah. like in, in the last few years, they've seen a lot of Chinese tourism uh, go upwards as well. So that's so, helped. Yeah. It would help with jet lag if you totally yeah, flip you your schedule what? potentially. <laughs> I never thought about it that there way. That's, so a, that's a huge... You should a, be selling uh, tourists. There you go. I have a career the, in marketing the for the Northwest Territories. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, we're going to feature that interview right after this short break that's coming up. This podcast is brought to you by Manning Elliott Accountants and Business Advisors. Manning Elliott has been providing expert accounting, assurance, business advisory, tax, and valuation services to businesses in the Lower Mainland and the Fraser Valley since 1952. If you're serious about taking your business and brand to the next level, and if you want an accounting firm that'll be there to help you every step of the way, give Manning Elliott Accountants and Business Advisors a call at 604-714-3600. That's 604-714-3600. Or you can check them out on their website at manningelliott.ca. Now, this is Bob McLeod, Premier of the Northwest Territories. 
Welcome back to the program. You're listening to Business in Vancouver on Roundhouse Radio 98.3. We're the daily business program from the Business in Vancouver newspaper and the website, BIV.com. I'm Kirk LaPointe. I'm Tyler Orton. The annual AME Roundup Mining Conference begins today in Vancouver. It's drawing notable players from across the industry. And Northwest Territory's Premier Bob McLeod is among those attending. He joins us today to offer his perspective on Canada's North. Premier, thank you for joining us. Thank you. So you, you, you're down here uh, a fair amount now, but I mean, th- this kind of conference also is uh, so, um, it's almost inextricably linked in our relationship between British Columbia and Northwest Territories and in terms of uh, mining. What what are the issues that you come down here and, and talk about for the most part? With well, this? this is a very important, uh, Roundup is a very important event for us. Uh, mining is our largest part of our economy and uh, we are third in the world in the production of diamonds behind Russia and Botswana and ahead of South Africa. We export over $2 billion worth a year of diamonds every year. And for us, mining uh, represents about uh, 32% of our economy. And right now, uh, we uh, some of the issues, uh, exploration, spending has, has been down. Uh, we want to see that uh, uh, increase uh, from the time a resource is found and developed. It probably takes about ten years, and you know we want to make sure that there's there's uh, projects in the on the horizon. And so we come meet with the industry. Uh, we tell them that uh, uh, Northwest Territories is a good place to invest in, a good place to work, a good place to have uh, balanced, sustainable development, and uh, so. So we're here. We have a we have a large group, and uh, we'll be meeting as many. What's in behind? Do you think the uh, the flattening of um, of the exploration? What is it? Is it a specter of commodity prices? Is it a lack of incentives? What what is uh, what's holding back? Well, I think uh, most of the uh, industry and the experts will say it's uh, the low commodity prices. Uh, we've been uh, working very hard to to make sure that uh, our regulatory process is uh, effective and efficient. Uh, we're also providing incentives to, uh, to prospectors and, and, and miners to get them to continue to explore. And uh, so I think the biggest hurdle is still the low commodity prices. When we consider the overall economy of Northwest Territories, what are maybe misconceptions that people have, especially in Southern Canada, about the opportunities that are open there? Well, I, I think that uh, uh, what we're starting to see is the fact that uh, uh, people have to recognize that uh, you know we live in the north. We need jobs. We need development. A lot of people feel that uh, we shouldn't be any development in the north uh, because uh, it should be preserved for prosperity, prosperity. And uh, like I say, we live there. We need we need the jobs. And uh, if we don't have jobs and We've got no choice but to leave. Yeah, well, I know that uh, the Prime Minister announced more than a year ago about uh, putting a ban on development of, say, oil up there. That did rankle a lot of people up north. What do you have to say about you know Canadians saying that there needs to be some sort of balance between environmental concerns as well as economic concerns? Well, in my mind, I say tell it to southern Canada because uh, uh, we generate uh, less than uh, 1% of greenhouse uh, gases in, in, in Canada. And yet we're the ones that uh, we shut, oil and gas is shut down. Uh, you know, we're faced, if uh, 
pipelines are very difficult to get a pipeline built in Canada. We can't go south, we can't go east, we can't go west. And uh, so, uh, and yet, uh, southern Canada continues to have uh, oil and gas. They continue to to produce oil and gas. They continue to use oil and gas for driving cars, driving, heating their homes. And here we're sitting on trillions of dollars worth of oil and gas, and we can't do anything about it. We have to export oil and gas to heat our houses, to run our vehicles. And so it's a difficult situation in some parts of the Northwest Territories right now because uh, the we don't have a balanced, diversified economy. I, I don't want to put words in your mouth, although I suspect I'm about to, but uh, do you feel that the North pays the price for the South's conscience if, about these matters uh, and that there's not really a, a regard for the economic sustainability of the North in, in, in making these decisions in Ottawa? Well, that's why uh, I... I've called, put out a call that we should have a, a national discussion on the, on the Arctic Canada because uh, that's what we're starting to see. Uh, I mean, we're in a period of transition. Like, if we don't have jobs, then what are people going to do? So now uh, we're working with uh, the government of Canada and uh, the Arctic territories to develop uh, an Arctic uh, framework that. Uh, so that we can now reach some agreement. Well, what what is the North going to stand for? Like, is it going to be one big national park, or are we going to be able to able to have jobs and develop some of the resources that we have in the North? Well, broadly speaking, I mean, what kind of infrastructure do you think is necessary? What kind of investment do you think is necessary from Ottawa to get this going? Well, I, th- I think uh, I was in Iceland, and I see the uh, Arctic countries there investing heavily in the North. Uh, and uh, we just don't see that happening in, in, in Canada. I think that if we're not going to be allowed to develop our resources, we can't have oil and gas. Uh, fishing is a federal responsibility. We can't get into agriculture because of the supply management. So, I mean, everywhere we turn. So what it's going to need is we're going to need the federal government to invest heavily in infrastructure, I think so we have to move. So it needs to be an offset of some sort. If it's if there's going to be things like moratorium on on uh, on on projects like this, that there has to be something that replaces it. That's right. I yeah. mean, you you know you you don't announce a moratorium without an accompanying economic development strategy, and that's that's exactly what happened here, uh, where they said, okay, well we're going to shut everything down, but and you guys won't notice it because there's nothing happening anyways. But I mean, we need. A economic development strategy so that if we're going to transform our economy so that we're moving away from oil and gas, you know, well, what's, what is there after that? Like we say, okay, well, then let's have a knowledge economy, you know, maybe have some, why can't we have manufacturing plants like in Ontario uh, or, or we need uh, maybe a university or something or those kinds of things. Well, those kinds of things still need, say, the man- or the infrastructure requirements. Just getting like roads built, getting you know train access, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, like those kinds of big investments still. Oh, for sure. I mean, like uh, majority of communities in the north are only accessible by air right. or, or by water in the summer times. Speaking of which, though, I mean, we do have climate change impacting possible trade routes. We're talking about maybe say uh, Northwest Passage, for example. Is that being seriously considered about kind of the future with regards to maybe future ports that could exist there? Well, I mean, we, we just uh, finished uh, building a road from Inuvik to Tuktoyaktuk. So 
we now have access to uh, tidewater in the Beaufort Sea. And we're seeing cruise ships cruising by every summer going up and down the Northwest Passage. So, uh, I mean, uh, you know, the Beaufort Sea used to be ice-free six weeks a year. Now it's probably open like 20 weeks a year. And it's going to be open even longer with the way climate change is going. And as I said, you know, we have to look, we have to look at all our uh, options. I think oil and gas, obviously, uh, is still, you know, we, we may need innovation or something to uh, to help us deal with it. But uh, at the least, we should uh, be looking at using some of our own resources to uh, heat our houses or even to generate power. You know, we're right now we got to export. We're, we're hauling LNG from Delta, BC to Inuvik, for example. Yeah. I, truck. You hearkened earlier to the fact that you've called on uh, on the government to have a, essentially a discussion, a, na- a national conversation about the Arctic. And I know that our former Prime Minister, Stephen Harper, took uh, what I thought was uh, a, a very different approach uh, to the Arctic, I mean, to, the, to Canada's north in general. What have you seen out of Justin Trudeau in the, in the first couple of years? of his own mandate in, in terms of what he's put as a priority there and what would you like to see him emphasize differently? Well, I, I think that, uh, you know, we're in a period of transition. Uh, he put a lot of emphasis on climate change. So all of us, uh, all of the provinces and territories had to uh, get ready for putting in a carbon pricing mechanism Uh or else it was going to be imposed on us. So right. yep. obviously we preferred to, to develop our own. I think uh, the previous government was more uh, uh, devolution, more pushing out the decision-making, whereas this current government has pulled back a lot of the decision-making as evidenced by the moratorium mm-hmm. in, the, in the Beaufort Sea. So I think that uh, w- with this uh, Arctic economic development framework that uh, – we are starting to work on. Uh, I would certainly hope that uh, we would see uh, a vision that would be acceptable to all of us, especially all of us that live in the Arctic, so that we can see uh, some significant opportunities develop for the North. What do you think happens if um, if we don't get this conversation that then enacts a a new vision for Canada's Arctic? Well, I mean, we we're already seeing it in 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 the Beaufort and. Uh, and the saw too, where like we haven't had one drop of or one molecule of oil and gas produced in the past year, over the past year. So there's just no activity. And you know, you had you had businesses and people that have invested in their businesses, and you know, the opportunities are not there anymore. Yeah, Premier, you're talking about the framework earlier, and I think what's going on in British Columbia as well as we're having these conversation with, say, LNG, for example, is, is making sure that. Canada's Indigenous people are included in all these conversations. How important is that for the Northwest Territories as well with regards to economic development? Well, I think we think that we got a lot we can teach the rest of Canada about the involvement of uh, Aboriginal governments. The Northwest Territories, uh, <coughs> excuse me, the largest uh, part of our businesses are owned by Aboriginal companies. And, you know, like hotels, airlines, and construction companies, and so on. And even with the the failed Mackenzie Valley Natural Gas Pipeline, I think we had found the perfect way to involve Aboriginal governments where they were going to, if the pipeline had gone ahead, they would have become 33% ownership of the Mackenzie Valley Natural Gas Pipeline. But 
that's since fallen by the wayside. Uh, so for us, it's another failed opportunity. But uh, certainly, Aboriginal governments are settling their land claims. They're having they get uh, land, have significant amounts of land. They're their largest landholders in Northwest Territories. They have lots of uh, investment capabilities, and I think that uh, for us. Uh, we have to work very closely with them, and they're, they're involved in all the decision-making. What do you think are the steps that are necessary? I mean, because I think there still is a quandary for uh, a number of governments here in the South about how it is that they wish to have uh, almost nation-to-nation relationships uh, with Indigenous uh, indigenous organizations. Uh, what what would you say are the, are the, the best steps, do you think, that have been successful? Well, I mean, we... What we've done is uh, we recognize them as uh, governments in their own right. Uh, we They're involved, they're part of our governance institution. Like uh, in our legislative assembly, the largest uh, percentage of the MLAs are Aboriginal. Our cabinet, there's five out of seven are Aboriginal. And then we also have uh, uh, formal memorandums of understanding with the Aboriginal governments. Uh, so that we meet on a regular basis. We have agreed on, they supported us on devolution of land and resources responsibilities. Uh, we have revenue sharing with uh, with uh, Aboriginal governments. So 25% of all our resource royalties we share with the Aboriginal governments that have signed on to uh, devolution. So um, that works well for us. And uh, uh, now, we, now the issue is we need... Uh, have balanced development and uh, most of our economy has been on resource development like we have mining oil and gas has been the largest part of our of our economy uh, we're very concerned that uh, since 2007 our our GDP has dropped from 4.5 billion to 3.7 billion so we've lost about a billion dollars worth in our uh, from resource development. So, Well, Premier, going to be another few busy days for you, and I appreciate you making time to talk to us on the radio show today. Thank you very much, and uh, we always uh, look forward to Cordillera and Roundup, and we get a chance to do some very good business, and, 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 and usually we're successful in getting some investments. So thank you very much. That's very good to hear. That is Premier Bob McLeod of the Northwest Territories, and you're listening to Business in Vancouver on Roundhouse Radio 98.3. I'm Tyler Orton. And I'm Kirk LaPointe. Stay with us. And that was Bob McLeod, Premier of the Northwest Territories. Fascinating conversation that we got to have, Haley, and I, I do appreciate it when uh, people make time to on, on their long journeys from mm-hmm. uh, far-off regions in Canada when they can make time to chat with us here at Business in Vancouver. Oh, it's a great opportunity to have them actually in studio. I love it when guests sometimes they'll talk to you on the phone. You actually get to meet them and speak to them here in Vancouver. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, well, that's it for this week. This podcast was brought to you by Manning Elliott Accountants and Business Advisors. You can list. I'm going to do that again because it's not it for the week. This is Wednesday. That's it for today. This podcast is brought to you by Manning Elliott Accountants and Business Advisors. You can find past podcasts, radio shows, and more BIV news at BIV.com. Tyler, where can people go to find you? Yeah, go to at Reporton. That's R-E-P-O-R-T-O-N. You can find my stories that I'm tweeting out. And if you want to go online just to a website, go to BIV.com. You can find my stories as well as your stories, Haley. Haley, where can we find you on social media? My handle is at Haley Wooden. Feel free to connect. I'm on Twitter. And you can also find our podcasts on iTunes. We have all of our archive shows there. If you want to have a listen, you can scroll back and listen to any podcast we've done over the last couple of years. 
on demand. That's it for today. Thanks again for listening. We'll be back tomorrow.